In 2014, a new company was founded, and they chose the name Replica. Sure, it was spelled wrong, but they were trying to replicate something, not be identical, so it worked out. They thought that they had looked at our culture and found a problem in it that they thought they could uniquely solve. And so that's business 101, right? They set out to do that. The problem they put their finger on was loneliness. Now, this is 2014, but already in 2014, the problem of loneliness in our culture was on, a, was on a trajectory that was not good. It was already identified as a serious problem that was going to cause issues for us. And uh, fast forward just a little bit. We, we get to the pandemic when we start to encourage people to social distance and isolate, and it was like supersizing this thing. Like all the numbers went off the charts. And when it ended, there was a hope that maybe this stuff would come back down dramatically. It did not. Where we're sitting at right now are the highest levels of recorded loneliness that they've ever seen. But they were tracking it back in 2014, and they did a good job. Like they figured out this was a problem. Why? That's complicated. It's clear that at least one of the factors in there is friendships, which explains the song that you just heard. And us reaching back to the 80s, which was the best decade for music anyway, but we, like, we could have done the Michael W. Smith song, Friends. How many of you remember that one? I considered that, but they played that song to death, and I thought if I heard it one more time, I'd pull my hair out, right? I, I don't want to do that again. So we just went, we went to another 80s song, and they it's a song of confidence. I know what friends are for. I'm going to be with you in good times and bad times. Like it talks about all of that kind of stuff that most of us would recognize as great friendships. Now, for me, I grew up in the 80s. I went to high school and college in the 80s. And I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few months as I've gotten ready for this series. And from that time, from the 80s until now, it almost feels like it's two different worlds. Like the, the way things are in, in culture, in society, what was happening, how it happened, it, it almost is like it's two different worlds. And, and I had like these friends anthems that were all a part of the 80s and everybody made that a thing that they did. Like, it was, pretty, it was pretty normal for you to not just have friends who agreed with you. That was my experience from the 80s, and it was interesting. But three decades have changed a lot. And it's why I want to call this series The Friendship Maze, because the more I've talked to people the more they're having a hard time even navigating friendships in our current context. Well, Replica's answer to this was a doozy. Their solution was to tap into an up-and-coming technology. Uh, they decided that they were going to use AI to create 
friendships for people. In fact, here's the tagline. Let me read it from you. It's right off their website. This is the tagline. They were going to create an AI companion that cares. That's what they were going to do. Now, you're sitting here and you're really familiar with AI right now. It was released this year through apps that could come to your phone and all kinds of people are now using it for all kinds of different applications. And you're, but this is 2014. These guys are early adopters. But they believed what they could do is they could train this AI bot to listen to you, to record information about you, to have conversations with you that would soothe you and make you feel better like you have a friend. And so they set out to do it. By the way, they're not the only company messing around with this kind of stuff right now. In fact, at the beginning of this year when AI came out, this stuff exploded. But that raises a big question for me. Who in their right mind would sign up for a fake friend? Right? Who would do that? <laughs> it's 2023. Replica boasts that they have 10 million users right now. Now, if you're skeptical like I am, you might say to yourself, yeah, how many of those people signed up because it's a novelty? They just wanted to see something new, but they're not actually using it to be their friend. I think that's legitimate, so I asked a different question. I asked this, how many people are paying for this? I don't know the number worldwide, but in the U.S., 250,000 people are paying them to have a virtual friend. Doesn't seem like a lot, necessarily. But it's still a bigger number than I would have maybe expected, 250,000. But here's the thing. If you want to get a little disturbed, you go and read the articles of the people who are paying for this subscription and listen to them talk about these fake friends because Replica, like Facebook, allows you to change your status online for everybody to see how you're relating to this person that you're signed up to interact with. And you can move it from friend to spouse. And people have. And when you read what they're saying, it is disturbing and messed up. Um, this is funny. There's, there's actually two taglines. Could you put up the second tagline? It says, always here to listen and talk, always on your side. That's the second tagline on their website. And this is just my experience, okay? That's not marriage, right? <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that's not marriage. I don't even think that's friendship. Like that, that's not how it works out in practice. Like you ask my wife, I wouldn't hit this mark. And yet, people are signing up for this thing. Now just to break it down, again, 250,000, let's just put it in perspective just a little bit. That would mean if you kind of broke it all across the US, that would be 50 people in Elkhart County who are relying on an artificial friend for companionship. It's not a lot, 
but it seems more than necessary. Like I said, not the only one doing this. I want to introduce you to Karen Marjorie. Uh, Karen Marjorie is an internet social media influencer. <sighs> Hate myself for saying it, right? I don't, e I don't even care for that. She has so many followers that at the beginning of this year, she decided to take one of those AI bots and clone herself. She cloned it so it sounds like her, it uses phrases like her, it puts together figures of speech the way she would do it. And the reason she said she was doing this is because she was having so many people who wanted to interact with her that she was trying to alleviate loneliness. So she decided to offer you the great chance to have a virtual girlfriend. That's what she's marketing it as. You can have a virtual girlfriend, which starts, you mean you start to wonder, is it loneliness or is it something else? Because for the low, low price of a dollar a minute, you can chat with this fake person who sounds like her. Who's falling for this? She is on track to make $500,000 doing this a month. That many people are calling up and chatting with a fake person. That was back in May. I have no idea how much she's making right now. I have no idea if it's surpassed that. But you want to know what was chilling for me? In one of the articles, she said that she was having all kinds of celebrities contact her because they were interested in what she was doing and they wanted to start offering it to their fans, their fans who had this desire to connect with them, and they wanted to find a way to offer that to their fans, you know, to alleviate homeless or, you know, loneliness, right? No, to cash in, to cash in so that you could, you could talk to Beyonce like you're talking to Beyonce, but it's not really her. And yet, countless people are signing up for this. Why? Why are they doing this? Because every measure that you would use, every measure that you would use, you would have to conclude that we are starving in our country in a state of loneliness. We're starving for some form of connection. You, you can't get past it. And this stuff is showing up. But here's the question I have. I have I'm really concerned about this. Because I want to know what happens to the soul of a person after they've had a friendship with a fake AI bot for years when they realize that the only person that's close to them, the only person that they have as a friend is fake. What happens to the soul of a person when, when they realize that I'm either so unlovable or broken that I really can't date anybody unless I pay a monthly subscription for this sort of thing? What happens to the soul of a person when that, I think the unintended consequences are going to be devastating when they realize I'm truly alone.
Why? Why is this becoming so common? I don't want to call it normal. I think this is becoming common. You're going to see this over and over and over. It's because this loneliness thing is real. You can't get past it. And there's, there's no way that we're going to be able to mitigate these effects unless we do some things differently. So over the next four weeks, I want to do a deep dive into friendship. It's just one part of this loneliness piece, but it's a big part. And I want to start trying to help you understand there are things that you could do that would allow that to go better in your life. There are, there are things that you could do. I, I told you it was different in the 80s, but I want you to make sure that you understand this. The thing that was the same about the 80s and now is friendships are difficult. They just always have been. Friendships are difficult, but the way we're going about doing it has so drastically changed. I'm starting to wonder if some people have even lost the skill or the ability to figure out how to even do that anymore. But there's reasons it's difficult, and I'm going to give you a list. And over the next few weeks, we're going to tackle some of these. So for instance, one of the reasons friendships are hard is because it's a process. It's actually a pretty tough process. It's a process to make friends and have friends. And from what I can tell, most people don't understand that there's a process that you have to go through. They want it to be quick. doesn't happen that way. They, they want it to... They want it to um, kind of show itself in one particular way. Um, it's a process. And when you lose sight of the process, you can't engage in a way that actually helps you develop friendships along the way. So we definitely have to talk about that. The second thing we're going we're gonna to have to find a way to talk about is the sense of individualism. It's always been a part of our country. I think there's value in that. I think there's a value in understanding who God made you to be. You're a unique individual. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's best to define you by a group. You are who you are. But this has gone so far, the sense of individualism has gone so far that it has resulted in this kind of thought. I don't need anybody else. And there's a lot of people who really believe that they can do it on their own. And it's going to cause problems for them. A third thing that makes friendships difficult, friendships change. They just do. Um, seasons come and go. A person moves and changes. And if you don't think that happens inside a marriage relationship, um, maybe you're not married either. Like, they change too. Like you thought that you would marry somebody and they would stay static and they don't. They grow, they change, they move. So do your friends and you have to be able to respond and react to that. And some of us don't know what to do to do that. And then the last reason it's hard, this is a tough one, is the expectations we bring for what friendships will be are sometimes so out of whack. Sometimes they're low, they're just way too low. Because you're somebody's friend, you allow them to treat you however they want to, and they treat you with disrespect, they use you, they, they take you for granted, and over time, you become really disgruntled with that. Sometimes the opposite happens. Some people have expectations that are so high, like they don't take garbage off of anybody. 
and they have no friends because everybody gives off some garbage. Everybody. I haven't met a perfect friend yet. And so we have these expectations that get in the mix, and they sometimes mess us up, and we can't figure out how in the world do I manage this friendship? Is this a friendship I keep? Is this a friendship I pass on? What do I do? Uh, oddly enough, low expectations or high expectations, high or low, they often lead to the same outcome, and that's that you feel like you're alone. Like nobody understands me, nobody gets me, nobody cares. The thing is, it's pretty clear from the scriptures that what God had in mind for you, for me, for each one of us is that we would actually have friendships. Family friendships, work friendships, friendships with people at school, just friends that you met growing up or going through life. You, you make friends. The, the problem with this whole friendship thing and trying to solve it with systems and all that sort of thing is often it comes across as a one-size-fits-all kind of model. You all have to kind of be the same thing in the same way, and it doesn't work. Some of you, some of you are like um, Mike Steele. Uh, Mike Steele is here today. I saw him, so this will be fun. If he could, he would have every one of you over to his house for a party. And he would cook out and eat with you, and he would think that was the best thing that ever happened. And after he got done having all of you over to his house, he'd be floating around on cloud nine like, that's awesome. <laughs> some of you were like that. And some of you are like Rydell Bontrager, who currently hates me for saying his name out loud in this setting, right? I guarantee you he has already started sweating, and I haven't even pointed him out. I just said his name. Right? Now, how do I know these guys? Well, I, I go to a breakfast with them on a Thursday morning. They're really different from each other. So how do, how do we work it out? Well, everybody's compromising. Mike would throw a party at every breakfast that we would have, but he's settled for about six of us who show up. Rydell would take one or two people and have a conversation the whole, whole time, and he'd love it. But instead, there's six of us. And so there's flex, and we've, we've tried to find out how to be together because friendships matter. In fact, it comes down to a simple and profound truth that's in the Scriptures. Uh, in early in Genesis, the writer is doing some things to make sure that something jumps out, grabs your attention. And he's talking about how God is in this process of creating. He's creating the heavens. He's creating the earth. He's creating animals. He's creating vegetation. You name it. And he just keeps saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he gets to mankind. And this is what he says. Verse 18 of chapter 2. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. This thing that we're dealing with in our culture, it's not good. 
I will make a help, helper suitable for him. God goes to extreme measures. Now, I think sometimes people have read this and said, okay, so in order for me to not be alone, are you saying that I have to get married? Nope, that's not what this is about. This is not, this is not a you have to have um, an outgoing socialite experience in order for you to achieve what God wants. What he's saying here is all of us require some form of connection along the way. And without it, it's not good. Now, I think it's fascinating that this was written thousands of years ago. And they're starting to come out with research that tells you exactly what that means when it says it's not good. If, if you experience stretches of loneliness in your life, the research has found it's like you choosing to smoke 15 cigarettes a day. That's the, that's the kind of health consequences that come with loneliness. Many of you would not do that. But for some reason, you tolerate a level of loneliness in your own soul. You decide you're going to just push through, be okay, tough it out. This year, at the beginning of the year, the Surgeon General actually issued an epidemic warning for loneliness and isolation. First time that he's ever done that because of the staggering numbers of people who are registering levels of loneliness, extended levels of loneliness. And you would ask yourself, why in the world would the Surgeon General find himself messing around with this? He's a health-related guy. That's because it turns out there's actual, it's not just the smoking. Look at some of the health consequences that come from extended periods of loneliness that people are experiencing. God said thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, it's not good. That's what that means. This has ramifications for your soul, for your well-being. When you choose to isolate, to be alone, to accept that as something that unfolds in your life. When God said, it's not good, he was not joking. So I've been kind of dancing around this today. But let me just tell you where we're at. Right now, people are self-reporting ages 25 and up. 60% of people are struggling with severe bouts of loneliness. 60%. Ages 15 to 24, 78% are dealing with extreme bouts of loneliness. How is this happening? Well, I told you I was pretty sure this is connected to friends. Let me show you a graph. Um, they started uh, doing this back in 2013 when they realized that their loneliness was on a trend and they were concerned about that. And so they started tracking how people were using their time. So I know 2013 is like ground zero, but it, that's just where they started. But look at what happened. Obviously, you can see the spike because of the pandemic but it hasn't come down. And what they've found 
is this is not sleep time. This is not sleep time. This is during the day time. The average person right now is alone for eight hours a day when they used to spend more time with friends or companions. This is the isolation that we're talking about. And it directly moves away from the picture that God had in mind. It's not good for this, and yet, this is where we're headed. Now, in my opinion, this is an incredible opportunity for the church. Because one of the purposes... Uh, one of the cornerstones, if you will, and I know there's only one cornerstone, I would say that there's five things that the church, like the scriptures talk about, that the church just absolutely has to do, has to be a part of, because they're a part of how God created us to be and how God created us to be together. And one of those cornerstones that everything is built on is connection. That God, what God had in mind is that we would be connected as a community. He gives you gifts, not for you, for others. You're supposed to use them for the sake of others. There are commands in the scriptures that say, I want you to do this, which are impossible to do if you're not connected with other people. If you're not in relationship somewhere, you can't actually fulfill what the scriptures are asking you to do. It's not even possible. And so you have over and over these opportunities to say, okay, if I want to be the kind of follower of Jesus that he wants from me, I'm going to I'm gonna have to find a way to engage in this thing he's creating to do it, the church. By the way, that is one of the big changes from the 80s till now. When I grew up in the 80s, loads and loads of people attended church on a regular basis and ended up engaging in relationships and community at a much deeper level than we have right now. Our culture right now sees church as optional. This is, this is an optional thing. And what I hear quite a bit of from people is, I really don't want to have anything to do with the organized church. And my response is, man, I don't want to have anything to do with disorganized faith because I see where it's leading. And it's leading to a whole generation of people who are more alone than they've ever been. And this thing has consequences. Now, if we were honest, if we were honest, some of the people feel the way they do because of experiences they've had with people in church. Like, they tried to relate. And the people that they ran into were judgmental. Or they were controlling. Or they were mean. Or they, like, it just did not go well. But instead of trying to find a different community or trying to work through it with that person and get to a, a different place, people have given up on the whole idea and walked away. And churches have become places where you can't always count 
on a friendly face anymore. It's, it's weird. This, this is who we are. This is one of the reasons God created us to be. I, can I just tell you a little honestly here? Waypoint used to be known for the level of friendliness that we had. And we saw a marked shift uh, when COVID came around. It, it was so confusing, right? You were supposed to be with your posse. You didn't know if you crossed over to say hi to somebody, if they would get upset that you breathed on them. I mean, it, it was messy. It was difficult. But after 18 months of being apart and just sticking to your cruise, those habits get in place. And right now, there are times, we, we've received letters in the last few months where people have said, hey, I came and attended your church. And my kids had a great time. But nobody talked to me. And I felt really awkward and uncomfortable. And I was like, wow, that is so bizarre. It's a departure from who we have been. And I understand why it may have happened. But this is an opportunity for us to recapture the high ground on this. Because I don't know, I don't know. If we were to do a survey of the people who attend Waypoint, if they would have the same kind of 60% for adults, 78% for youth, is that what we would see in terms of loneliness? I, I suspect maybe. Other national trends have been reflected in our congregation, so it's not, it wouldn't be surprising to see that we had levels that high here. But I can tell you that people who are coming and visiting, who are coming and checking out, who are coming trying to figure some stuff out, they're coming from a pool of people who are in that 60 and 78. And if they walk into our place and they're not met with a sense of friendliness that we carry because of who we are, it's a miss. Listen, you're not attempting to develop the fruit of the Spirit so that you can keep it to yourself. You're developing the fruit of the Spirit so that it can be engaged in relationships around you. And that could be as simple as saying hi to somebody and a smile to a stranger. And it's the kind of stuff we need to recapture. We're sitting in a place where God created us to be a connecting entity. This is what we do in a world that's starving for it. This is our time. This is our time to shine. So here's one of the things that we're going to do. Um, we want to try to help this because I don't know where different people's stories are, but you're not going to hear this very often. But I'd like you to take out your phone if you could. Pull out your phone. And if you have the Church Center app on it already, that's great. If not, can you take a picture of the little QR code over there? And it'll help you download the Church Center app. Once you get into the Church Center app, at the bottom, there's a thing called groups. Just hit on that, and it'll bring up a bunch of groups. Scroll down, and it says, find a group. Now, here's what's going on. Um, the first set of groups you see right there is called Friendship Maze Group. We are going to do some groups. They're short term. They're four to five weeks long. And you can jump into them. You're not going to find your next best friend in five weeks. You probably would never find them in a small group that way anyway. But what you could find 
is a bunch of friendly people. And there's seven different groups that you could choose from. They have different times, different days. Some of them meet an hour and a half. One meets an hour. One of them meets two hours. But these are something that you could jump in for the next four or five weeks. And you could do something to engage and connect. And if you're sitting there thinking, going, yeah, I'm good. I'm already connected. Yeah, others aren't. And they're needing you to show up and be friendly. Because we're facing something in our culture that's unprecedented, and we have an answer. God put us together in a way, made us, created us, to need relationships, and we have an opportunity to do that. So you can just sign up. You can just click on it, say, I want to do this. I want to do it for four. If that's not your thing, if you're like, no, I don't want to do for something for four or five weeks, I'm more interested in something that's longer. Go look at the other groups. There's, there's some table groups that they, they do meals together. There's some study groups. There's some other groups that meet. And if you want to do something that's going to meet year-round, check those out. If you're like, I'd love to do something, but I don't see what I would love to do on here, but I'd be willing to like, get a group together to go golfing or something like that, go talk to Austin. We'll get it on the, the Friendship Maze app here um, in the next week, and we can tell people about that too. So there's all kinds of options, but my friends... We cannot rest on this. This is a problem that is going to have, it is growing, not decreasing, and this is our place. This is our place to shine. So I'm asking you to have the courage to start stepping towards each other, to start just being kind and friendly, to reach out to somebody that you don't know and say hi. These are small little things. And over the next, over the course of the next four weeks, I'm going to start laying some stuff out so that as you understand friendships a little bit better, that maybe you could make just a few adjustments, a few changes that would honor Christ with how you're developing friendships. Check out those groups. Take a step. It's time to engage. Listen, my friends, if you're one of the people who are sitting here who fit that bill of feeling an overwhelming sense of loneliness, do not walk out of here without signing up for some way for somebody to interact with you. It's there. We have opportunities. Just have the courage to show up. We'll take care of the conversation. We'll take care of all that stuff. Just Show up. Don't be satisfied with a sense of loneliness that might be gripping your heart. Let me pray for us. God, when you said it's not good to be alone, you weren't joking around. I mean, the health consequences, the sense of isolation, the sense of maybe I'm broken or wrong or there's something messed up about me that runs through people's minds when this kind of stuff is going on just does so much damage. We weren't made for this. In fact, we're the church. 
And you built us by giving us gifts and giving us instructions to connect. God, we don't have to do it all the same way, but we need to connect. It's who, it's who you made us to be. So give us the courage to strike out, to step up, to risk, to say hi, to reach out a hand and to shake it with somebody that we just don't know yet. God, will you, will you build in us a desire to honor you with the way we connect with each other? We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.